Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. Wall Street expert, 10-year veteran, and a runner of an ETF, which we'll talk about in video number three. Taylor, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me, as always, Michael. I, I love it. You bring a different set of experience to my expert series. I appreciate you. Thank you, for, uh, thank you for doing this every week. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So we're going to talk about the Fed, and we're going to use some Fed speak, uh, soft and hard landings. We'll probably define those for the audience watching. Uh, as you know, it, it, we both know the Fed wants to bring the economy to a soft landing. Uh, historically, good luck. Spe- good luck. Yeah. Historically <laughs> speaking, they often point at the year 1994 as the last successful soft landing. Soft landing mm-hmm. meaning the re- rate cycle, they tighten into a soft landing. I, uh, I'm in the camp where they are going to break something pretty significantly, and we're going to have a I think we're going to have a pretty significant hard landing next year. Where do you fall down or fall in line in all of this? It's funny because we talked about this and I think they're going to raise, I don't think they're going to raise rates as quickly as you are. Mm -hmm. And I think that they're going to force us into a recession as well, but I don't think the recession is going to be that deep. Ah, And maybe, maybe this is how, maybe this is how this all makes sense because you think they need to raise rates aggressively Mm -hmm. to get it to tip. And therefore, they're going to have to, you know, really chew through rate hikes, and it's going to be tough for the economy. Whereas I think they raise rates more slowly, and it tips. And therefore, they didn't raise rates all that high, so they're still digestible by the market, yeah. and it's not the depth of the recession that's going to come. So that I, that might be where we disagree. I think that's exactly now that we kind of play this out, video one, video two. I yeah, I think. Again, I think they're going to be raising it every Fed meetings. I've seen no Paul Volcker in any of these folks, so I don't see inter-meeting raises, which, oh, by the way, can happen. It has happened before. That would be a scary proposition. That would throw the market into an absolute tizzy. Oh, no, exactly. That's what I think. (laughs) Like Jerome Powell, everybody's thinking 50 basis points coming May 4th. Do it today, brother. What the hell? Like get it get, out of the way. Get it out of Stop the way. Around. <laughs> Stop telling the market what to expect. Just do it already. But uh, I don't think they're going to do it. So again, I think they're going to wait for every meeting. Again, I think that's a mistake. I, again, let me be very clear because I haven't said this before. If the Fed came out and raised rates this week, good, like they did it on Good Friday, it's a day the market's closed. That would shock the market. The market would throw up the following week. But I don't think long term they would have to raise rates as much as I currently believe. I believe by telling the market what to expect, they're allowing the market to be prepared and thus they're going to have to take it higher than they otherwise would because they're, they don't, they don't want to spook the market. They don't want right. to scare the market. Right. So Instead, they just kind of scare us with their minutes when they get released yeah, after their meeting. After the meeting, exactly. <laughs> we raised 25 basis points. And by the way, next time, everybody thinks we should raise 50. Yeah. So get ready. And, the and oh, by off. the way, 25% was a mistake, but we did it anyway. 
hey, we have the backdrop of the war to, to blame yeah. that on what's going on in the Eastern Bloc, right? So, crazy. <laughs> so yeah, I, that's why I think we're, we differ is I think, the, I think the Fed by walking hand in hand in Wall Street ultimately takes them to a point where Wall Street falls over. And I don't think Wall Street leaves the party because I think they're going to party together. Like, oh, you're telling me what's coming? Okay, great. Still coming? Okay, great. And then Wall Street, like 2018, they were okay up until that last raise. And then Wall Street lost their freaking mind. That's what I think happens. And I think it happens next year. Right. Yeah. Again, I think it, I think it happens more quickly than that. I think you're going to start to see some slowdown in corporate earnings and that's going to allow the fed not to be quite as aggressive. And that's going to be their excuse to say, Hey, we're actually already seeing a slowdown in this economy. I mean, make no bones about it. Inflation is wild right now. Inflation is wild. We went from 2% and not, and, and the fed literally saying, I want to cause inflation to get up to 2% because we couldn't get there yeah, for years. Now we're at eight. Now we're at eight. So like, this is, this is what the fed does. This is history kind of repeating itself. So the fed has the ability at any point to stop inflation. They're going to do it right now. And the, the playbook is what it is. They slam on the brakes, they raise rates and inflation curbs itself. And they force us into a recession. Mm-hmm. The thing that scared the hell out of the fed was deflation. So if you look back at history, there have been very few times of real deflation in the economy. And what you can look at as the best case in point is Japan. Japan had deflation for 30 years and they had an absolute stagnant economy for 30 years. They were 40% of the global stock market back in 1990, I want to say. And now they're, you know, a fraction of that. And what happened was deflation caused their economy to absolutely sputter. They brought in all of the experts from around the world and said, hey, how do we deal with inflation? Or how do we deal with deflation? How do we spur on this economy and get it back to inflation again? And they said, okay, throw the kitchen sink at this. Cut rates to zero, flood the market with quantitative easing, and do all of these targeted purchases, et cetera, and they could not cause inflation. Yeah. And so if you're in a deflationary environment, which is what the Fed was scared of us going into prior to this inflationary cycle that we're just seeing now, they were looking at it going, hey, we need rates at zero. We need to pump money into the economy because otherwise we're scared we'll go into a deflationary spiral when people don't buy things because they know a year later it's going to be cheaper. So deflation is a much bigger problem as much as it ones, you know, it seems like the, the greatest problem that ever, uh, you know, exists to us as consumers to say, hey, like we'd love to pay less. We get it. But from an economic standpoint, deflation is a much bigger issue than inflation is. And the Fed will get this. We both think they'll get it with the cause of a recession and, yeah. and, and they'll curb inflation and they'll cause a recession is, is what both of our views are. Yeah. So again, using the uh, speak up front, soft or hard landing, any recession, whether it be shallow and short or long and deep is a hard landing, right? Yep. We, bo- we both yep. see the, I, I would go as far as to say the only outcome is a hard landing. The mythical 1994 soft landing is off the table, given your $9 trillion balance sheet. It's just off the table. I, I whispered to you prior to this call, and, and for the viewers, he laughed at me for the yeah. context. Yeah. I whispered to him that I thought there was a 20% chance that the Fed could, to use Fed speak again, thread the needle as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, there's and it is a. No, there's not a 2% chance <laughs> that they thread the needle, right? There might You're be saying they're trying to thread the needle outside on a windy day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A, yeah, a thousand miles away. Yeah, maybe. Oh my God. 
No, but Michael, I'm absolutely on the same side of the camp as you are. I actually, it's weird to say this, that I think the recession will be lighter because the economy is slightly weaker than you do now. You think the economy is stronger, therefore they're able to raise rates more and can force us into a deeper recession because rates are so much higher. I think the economy is slightly weaker Uh and I think they're able to get, you know, Fed funds rate to 150, 175, somewhere in that ballpark um, before it starts to crack. And then rates aren't super high. So loans are still relatively affordable and the recession isn't as deep on the other side. Yeah, I think we figured it out because again, you try to use an analogy to catch everybody up. if If the US economy is a sports car, uh, let's just say 2021, the sports car was going 100 miles an hour. So we both have the same number. What you're saying now is the sports car is probably at, I don't know, 40 or 50, where I think it's at 70 or 80, right? Correct. We, we basically are saying the same trajectory. Uh, my inertia just takes us longer because it takes longer yep. to slow an 80 car versus 60 car. So. And you make a really good point. Like I'll, I'll make kind of the, the argument on your side for a second of like unemployment should trend lower. You know, oh, it's we're, we're at a time of term. year where it should trend lower. We're, you know, inflation being as rampant as it is, people can hire folks and probably overpay them in the short term because they're like, hey, if we can get goods out the back door, we'll overpay in the short term. We realize your skill set doesn't warrant XYZ dollars per hour, but we'll pay it for you because we'll make that profit margin on the back end more than what we're going to pay you. So to that point, inflation should drive lower. I I don't disagree with you there. Again, I think that my, you know, negativity comes around corporate earnings starting to get squeezed a little bit quicker than what you're Yeah, no, it's, it's, again, for me, it's not corporate earnings. It's the guidance, which you brought up earlier. That's going to yep. like, like, cause again, you and I watch all these earnings. We've looked at them for years and right around what is today's the 11th. So earnings come out really heavily on the 12th, at least financials by the 30th, you and I will be seeing reports that say 60% of the S and P are above or below, you know, expected earnings or guidance is weaker or, or all of these things. It's going to be very interesting. I guidance, because again, now we can start to look at sectors. Right. I think it's both fair to say that you and I think banking, at least as far as guidance, is going to be weaker. Right. Their guidance is going to come in, loan growth being the biggest example. Um, consumer discretionary, weaker. Right. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how much weaker. I, I totally agree with you that it's going to be weaker. I mean, what, what people do a great job of, and even looking backwards until now, and I say people, I mean CFOs of companies, is they, they take down earnings so they can beat. You'll yeah. see an earnings beat rate of 70% or whatever it is pretty consistently. But what happens is, is they take down projections and that's when the market gets smoked. Then when their next earnings report comes out, they get a beat. So their report card remains positive. Yeah. The other thing that's happening right now, again, because of the Fed, is risk is being repriced. Risk essentially was zero for about two years. You're seeing risk repriced, right? We saw a down round in Instacart, not the last one. We've seen companies like Fast go broke after burning $100 million. I think risk is being repriced right now in a pretty aggressive way. What do you think about that? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, things like IPOs and how many how many companies come public because again, to your point, the risk appetite just isn't there like it was before. Um and 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 I think it's natural because as rates go higher, alternatives start to become more interesting because when bond yields are at, you know, effectively zero, you know, when people look at the, there's there's what they call the Tina trade. 
there is no alternative is Tina. So there is no alternative. And that's what people refer to when rates are at nearly zero. Mm -hmm. That's what they refer to stocks. There's no alternative because you can't buy a bond to get any yield. But when things start to reprice and all of a sudden you start to see bond yields tick up and become more attractive on a relative basis to stocks, people don't have to just go out and be cowboys and buy stocks anymore to expect any sort of a return because now they can look at a muni bond that on a taxable equivalent yield yields three and a half, four percent with a fraction, a fraction the risk and downside that stocks present. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about this as we wrap up this episode. I think the 10-year getting to four percent is a game changer. I think insurance funds, other folks, I think at four percent, given the environment we're in, I think that absorbs a lot of capital. What do you think? I don't think it gets there. I don't think oh. it gets anywhere close to there. Okay. 4%. Now I don't think it gets anywhere close so to that right now. It, it's, so it's, how about this? If it got there, the 10 year, if it got yep. to 4%, do you think that's game changer? People just flood into the 10 year? Oh, I, I, I think that the 10 year getting to 4% is going to cause an economic, that would cause an economic debacle, okay. like massive economic debacle. And I, and I spoke with you about this on one of our prior conversations that like, you have to realize also, and I'm not saying you, I'm just saying and yeah. in general, the public has to realize that there are people around the world right now that look at 2.77% exactly. in the most stable economy on the planet. And they yes. look at it and go, well, my government bond right now is paying 0.2% or exactly. 0.1% for that commensurate tenure in that relative country. So at some point, what you'll see is a flood of pension capital, insurance capital, whatever it might be from overseas come into the United States and it causes there to be a, a lid on, on rates. Where do you think that, so we obviously disagree where the Fed's taking the funds rate, because I could see the funds rate getting to 4%, like I've said in 23, which would, if the funds rate was at four, not saying it's getting there, just in my world, it does. The 10 years got to be five and a half-ish. Well, it just depends on if it's not inverted, right? Well, that, well. The, yeah. the, the curve doesn't have to be upward That's sloping. True. I mean, the, the, so the, the, the front end of the that curve is, is dictated by the Fed. The Correct. Fed sets the front end of the curve. The back end of the curve being the 10s, 20s, and, and more like the 20s and the 30s are dictated upon inflation expectations. Correct. So again, what the market is telling us right now with the fact that the yield curve is not very steep is that the Fed's going to be aggressive on the front end. Mm-hmm. And on the back end, in the long term, inflation is yeah. going to right itself. And we talked in. about the fact that five-year forwards look at about 2.7% is where inflation will be five years out from now. Gotcha. So I don't think that, you know, I don't think the economy warrants all of that movement on the front end to drive a 10-year up to that rate. Okay. Do you think the 10-year sees 3%? It, it, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it probably does get to 3%. I think 320 is where there's some technical resistance. Okay. Um, just so kidding. that would be, and, and that's still, by the way, that's still a big movement. That's almost 50 basis points, 43 basis points from where we're at right now. That's yeah. a big movement. Yeah. That's going to cause some, that's going to cause some pain. Generally bond yields backing up, um, it is tough for bond owners, but also right now with inflate, there's a lot of confounding things that are, they're going around right now between inflation, between, you know, the fed raising rates, between the economy slowing, all of these things. It, it just doesn't paint the brightest picture for me. Awesome. I love it, man. This is, I love these conversations. Thank you so much. Where can people find you and follow you on Instagram? Yep. At Life Goal Investments is where you can find us. Again, that's not, you don't get much on our product set from there. That's not what the intention is. It's just rules of thumbs mm-hmm. talking about things like this and, and really kind of very layman's terms. Well, you're trying to help people. And that's why I appreciate you all you do. Thank you for being a part of the, my expert series.
Absolutely. Good to see you, Michael. Thank you. Mm -hmm.